Hello, all of you, and welcome to Grace Baptist Cartersville podcast. Before I turn it over to Pastor Kyle, hello again, and welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. I hope that you're having a great week so far. I hope that you've been able to spend some time with the Lord and be refreshed, be rejuvenated on this day ready to go. Uh, I'm also excited because today is the last week of our sermon series that uh, we've been going through over the past five or six weeks. It's also the last couple of days, depending on where you are when you're listening to this, uh, that I've asked the church uh, to go through a 30-day prayer and fasting So I've got to ask you, if you've been doing this with us, how have you been? I would love to hear stories about how it's gone for you. As always, email me, Kyle, K-Y-L-E, at gracecartersville.com. I'd love to know what God has shown you, what God has revealed to you, what experiences or revelations you've had over the last 30 days. Now, I've got to ask you, with the fast being over, Will you just return back to your normal? Will you just go back to normal business? Or has your experience with God developed something new within you that has now become a part of your everyday life? Are you now in a new habit of doing something that you weren't doing before? To be honest, I really hope so. Uh, I hope that's the case. For us in Georgia, school has just started back and you know, getting back into place, getting back into routines and structures. I'm all about that. I need that in my life. But I'm also about shaking things up a little bit so that we can notice where God is moving a little bit more. Now, real quick, let's go through what we have discussed over the past few weeks. We've been taking one line at a time, the disciples prayer, the prayer that Jesus gives his disciples as a rubric, as a template. We found that God is set apart among all the rest of creation that he put into place, yet he calls us to be in relationship with him. Second, the will of God, just like his nature, is perfect, and it's to be followed by his creation regardless of our own will. We are to pray for his will to be revealed so that we can follow and assist as the kingdom of heaven advances here on earth through his believers. Third, we begin the provisions that are needed by us on a daily basis, our daily nourishment, asking God to provide, but also providing our daily spiritual needs so that as we grow, we can look more godly than we did yesterday. Fourth that we discussed was forgiveness. We should pray daily for our own forgiveness, but also daily pray that we will forgive others as fervently as God does for us. Last week, we covered temptation. In our moment-to-moment walk, we are threatened by many forces to be unfaithful to the Lord. But through our relationship with the Lord, as we walk closer to Him, we are more aware of the avenues that the Holy Spirit leads us out of temptation as well. So this is our model to pray, passed down by our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a strict, rigid set of guidelines, but it is a method to be used that should change our approach and change our attitude towards prayer so that we don't fall into the mundane or the stock 
prayer that is meaningless and it has little to no impact on our life. Back in the first week, I explained to you that we would return to the book of Luke, which is where we originally started, and where the disciples originally asked the question, Lord, teach us to pray. We return to Luke 11 because of the application that Jesus gives the disciples following the giving of the prayer in the same chapter. So if you would, if you got your Bible, read with me Luke chapter 11, and we're going to begin in verse 5. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. As we open up, as we dive in today, show us, God, what it means to acquire knowledge, but also to apply the knowledge that we've been given. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, after giving the disciples instructions, Jesus goes into a parable. Now, don't forget that a parable is a teaching method by Jesus to give further understanding to those that are attempting to follow him. Yet also, they may have come across as confusing or unclear for others that rejected Jesus. To add emphasis for his teaching, Jesus goes into this story about a friend that shows up late at night with a specific request. Okay, so now let's give some backstory. Let's give some context as to what's going on here. It was common for many Palestinians to travel late at night because of the heat of the day. You're walking around in the desert. It was much easier and more doable because the temperatures were more temperate, even to the point of being pretty chilly overnight. And for anyone that was supposed to receive travelers, it was an extremely hospitable culture. Uh, I explained it that these people in Palestine were southern before there was the south, okay? You wanted to go out of your way to make someone feel as at home as possible. Hence the reason it wouldn't be too out of place that someone shows up and you need supplies from someone else. And to be honest, it would be embarrassing for someone to show up and you not be prepared to receive them. So a home in this culture was probably one big giant room and the head of the house that would answer the knock at the door would have to climb over everyone else who's sleeping in order to get to the door. Literally, a knock at the door this late at night would wake up an entire house, much to the chagrin of anyone that was involved. 
So let's set the stage for today, 2022. What does that look like in our society, in the context? If you're anything like me, you've finally gotten the kids to bed. Your spouse is asleep next to you. For me, I've probably just finished watching the Braves lose again, and I've pitied myself and felt bad about it, but I've fallen asleep. Then all of a sudden, you're startled awake by a knock at the door. And if you're anything like me, you're awakened in a moment like this, and man, I go immediately into attack mode. I'm like Rambo. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to move. I'm on my feet. I'm alert. I don't even know what I'm alert to. I'm just moving, and I'm ready. And while that adrenaline is pumping, you realize, okay, I heard a knock at the door. So you start running down the stairs, trying not to wake up everyone else. Your your legs are asleep still, kind of, so you're trying to make sure you don't fall down the stairs. And, and let's be honest, because of an added level of suspense and suspicion, you're probably not going to that front door by yourself, if you know what I'm saying, because you're preparing really for the worst. You get to the door or you check your uh, security system on your phone nowadays and you're surprised, maybe even a little let down because it's someone that you know. Now, your body has been so jacked up in this process, the fact that you don't get to put a beat down on whoever's going to be on the other side of that door, it takes some fight out of you and maybe you're even a little bit annoyed. But in either case, Maybe the impulsive first response might be something along the lines of, go away, no one's home, we're all asleep. You're not even asking, what do you want? Hopefully, though, at this point, you've shook away just enough cobwebs from being awoken that you do realize there was an immediate need, and they came to you because you could supply it, and you've got the means to supply it. So what's the message being sent if they came to you and you don't give what they're asking for? You may begin to reconsider at this point. You realize the opportunity that's ahead of you. And you also realize, just as verse 8 said, the shameless boldness of your neighbor. Some translations in the Bible say the impudence of a neighbor. The neighbor knocking knows that this is an inconvenience, knows that it's late, knows that he woke up the entire family, and knows that he should have been prepared to host guests, but amidst all the wrong, he boldly went to the one that could help him, and he asked anyways. So in verse 9, Jesus begins the explanation of the parable, and this is where we get the phrasing of ask, seek, and knock. Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, it'll be found knock and the door will be open. Now, this is what we're going to unpack, but before we do, let's continue on with the explanation of Jesus. What is the purpose that Jesus wants his disciples to take away? Jesus gives us explanation while asking questions. Isn't that great What it, when a teacher does that? Ask you a question, you ask a question back for further understanding, they just ask more questions. I, I was a teacher before I got into ministry. I was that guy too. I'm sorry. But will a loving father truly deprive their children of what they need. That's what Jesus asks. Look again at what's being asked. Would a father truly, if the ask is for a fish, would a loving father give a snake? If a loving father is asked for an egg, would he really give a scorpion? The ask in these circumstances is not greedy, 
but it's a poor father instead that would provide something dangerous, something detrimental to his children that are asking. So I'll let you in on a little secret. This is just me. I feel like I can handle most things, but I can't handle snakes. Not at all. I tell people that if Indiana Jones can't handle snakes, I love the Indiana Jones movies. If he can't handle them, I sure don't want any part of them. Uh, one thing I can guarantee you, while I'm around at Grace Baptist Church, while I'm able to spit and preach and do all that kind of stuff, I promise you we'll never become a snake handling church. But anyways, that's just on the side. Okay, now, but I'd never give a snake to my child either. Essentially, what good parent would give their child or put their child in danger by giving them something that's bad? Well, a good parent will give good gifts. And if that's the case, how much more, this is what Jesus says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give through the Holy Spirit? One more word on this. Make sure that you understand it. In this parable, the homeowner is not a representation of God. The homeowner hesitates. The point to get across is that God wouldn't act in this way, having to be persuaded to do something for one of his own. So why then is it today that some have such a difficult time accepting or understanding the goodness of God? Well, it's because they've never experienced anything good from a parent before. They've never experienced loving gifts. So why then would they believe in a perfect, loving, heavenly Father when they've never seen anything remotely close to it before? As we witness, we've got to be mindful and sympathetic of the stories and scars that other people bring. Then we introduce them to a loving, heavenly Father that freely gives gifts. Now, before we become too prosperity-driven, what is it exactly that God gives us? Luke gives an emphasis in his gospel, the gospel of Luke. But remember, that's volume one of what he writes. And volume two is really what we call the book of Acts, also written by Luke. And in the book of Acts, we see the coming of the Holy Spirit, excuse me, fulfilled at Pentecost, through believers, through the Holy Spirit, we know that we are given spiritual gifting. Fruits of the Spirit that strengthen us, prepare us for trials of the world. They build us up to endure. So as we wrap up this series on prayer, asking the Lord to teach us to pray, seeking the Lord through prayer and fasting, Jesus gives us an application we can have the knowledge of how to pray. We can know that God will provide for us. We can even understand that God seeks relationship with us. But if we do not apply the strategy of prayer, why should we expect something different than the normal mundane in our life to take place? It doesn't work that way. There won't be anything different. So to wrap up today, after asking Lord teach us to pray, once we've been taught how to pray, we've got to do it. How does it begin? Well, it begins quite simply with the ask. 
Quite simply, start the conversation. Ask. Even if you're asking God with wrong intentions, even if you're asking God with improper motives, I'll at least give it to you that you realize there is a higher power, that God is mighty, that you are beneath God, and you're seeking God's help. But in this case, that's about all I can give you. Still, though, we need to ask. Asking is opening up the conversation. And in time, hopefully, that conversation is going to change. When God is experienced, corrected motives will come. Your will, and not mine, should begin to take shape. Now, we learn, based on the verse, that everyone who asks receives. It should not be interpreted that everyone who asks receives what they ask for. That's not what it says. In faith, we ask, knowing that there will be an answer, but we receive what the Lord has given us, because we know it will be according to His will and for the advancement of His kingdom. It may not be what we want, but God will provide what we need for a situation for His glory to be seen, and we must accept that answer, regardless of what it if what was what we wanted or not. So I've got to ask you, Have your asks changed over the last month, especially if you've been praying and fasting? Here's another question. This is specific to Grace Baptist Church. What are you praying? What are you asking in regards to Grace Baptist? Do you ask God for the kingdom to be advanced through grace? Do you ask that others would come and see Jesus in you? Or do you ask God for grace to get back? to get back to doing what we used to do and doing it the way that we used to do it. Get back to different songs. Get back to a different style. Get back to the people who used to be here. You catch yourself praying these things. I hate to tell you, but those prayers are more for you and they're not for God. This is what Ecclesiastes 7 says. Don't say, why were the former days better than these? since it is not wise of you to ask this. If we fall into this category of praying, we need to adjust our prayer. Today is a new day. The gospel does not change, but our delivery and the methods of ministry that we have, the way that we conduct ministry, must be flexible with the times. So I would encourage you, are you praying outward-facing prayers and not inward-facing or even backwards-facing prayers. Maybe our prayers should become, Lord, how must I change so that I can reach others? Ask. What is it that the prophet Jeremiah says about asking? The Lord who made the earth, the Lord who forms it to establish it, the Lord is His name, says this, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. Second part, seek. If we look at our spiritual lives, and we're honest, we want God to seek us. I'm right here in my comfort, with all of my comfort, and I don't want to be interfered with. But if God would do something to my liking, then I'd be okay with it, and I'd be ready to move. Ah, He knows where He can find me. No, no, we can't think that way. Think back to our character in the parable. The ask was difficult because of the circumstances, but remember the words that were used, shameless 
boldness. Regardless of the poor events surrounding the matter, the neighbor was going to find the friend and ask, Yes, this is exactly how we should seek the Lord, seek His glory, and seek His presence. If we're going to seek God, we've got to move. The man didn't wait for the neighbor to come to his house to figure out what was going on that was wrong. No, he went to the neighbor's house. That is action in itself. The main purpose of me asking the church to pray and fast at the beginning of this series was just to get us to act in a way that was the slightest bit uncomfortable that might move the needle a centimeter away from the norm so that one might experience God a little bit better, perhaps in a way they haven't before or haven't in a long time. So over the past month, did you seek God? Even if you haven't, have you ever sought God? If we call ourselves believers if we proclaim to have relationship with him that has been restored, but we are not seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, we are living in sin. Are you allowing God to change you? Are you allowing God to mold you towards his will? What changes in your life have taken place to draw you near to the Lord? Or are you doing the same thing that you've always done? I think back to the maybe my favorite hymn that I go back to often is, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. If you are seeking God, God will bring about change in you. I want to share with you a verse from Zephaniah. Probably been a while since you covered Zephaniah in the Bible. Here's one verse. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth who carry out what he commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you will be concealed on the day of the Lord's anger. What does seeking the Lord look like? It looks like seeking humility. It looks like seeking the righteousness of God and acting on the righteousness of God. Third part of today, straight from the scripture, knock. How is knocking different from asking? It's the consistency with which we ask. If you recognize that you're needing a change, if you recognize that what you're doing isn't working, how often are you storming the throne of grace to get an answer? Once a week, doesn't show urgency. Even once a day doesn't really show urgency either. If we desperately need God to intervene in the same way that the man knocked on the door of his neighbor, we have got to knock until there is a resolve. Now notice, again, I didn't say we knock until we get what we want. We knock until God answers. And rest assured, God will answer. But going back to our model of prayer, I've spoken this three or four times now, and there's a point to it. We must be willing to pray God's will and God's way and bend our will according to His. Does it feel like you're spinning your wheels, praying for the same thing? Maybe because we're too stubborn to see that God is moving in a different direction. Are you relentless in asking and knocking, but you haven't done anything to listen Remember, prayer is communication. Communication goes both ways. We talk 
to God. God speaks to us through His Word, and what direction you think God is going, it should align with the Word of God. The ask, though, going back to our first point, it's okay to begin with, but the ask must transform over time. But the consistency of the knocking does not change. Pray ceaselessly, First Thessalonians 5.17, but that does not mean continue to pray the same thing. We should be consistently persistent. Another verse that I keep in my vehicle as a reminder goes along like this. This is from Hebrews 10. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Ask, knowing that God will hear and God will answer. Seek, believing that God will answer for his good and for his will. Knock through the trials, through the ups and downs of life, with consistent persistence. Seek, ask, and be ready to move. I shared with the church, we've been caught spinning our wheels a little bit. We've acquired knowledge. It's time to apply that knowledge. As a church, we've got to go to work. Go to work in our community. Go to work seeking others as we seek God. Thank you again for joining us. I've got questions for you. If you'd like to reach out, let me know. Email me at kyle at gracecartersville.com. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. See our services on YouTube. But I want to challenge you this week. Ask differently than you have before. Seek God in a way that maybe you never have. Knock persistently. Be consistent. If you've got questions on salvation, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you can email me also with those. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear stories of your prayer and your fasting that you've accomplished too. I love you. I appreciate you. And as always, as a church, we love God, we serve others, and we show grace. Have a great week.